We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Cash Considerations podcast, a Chicago Bulls podcast where we're always putting boots to asses. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. I'm with Jason Pat as always. Jason, what's going on, man? I am doing all right. I'm obviously doing a bit better than Chicago Bulls are lately with in the middle of a seven-game winning streak, but we have a we have a special episode here today. This is a special episode because we have our first ever guest in Finally. Cash Considerations <laughs> history. Am I really the first guest you guys have ever had? You are. You are <laughs> the been- first guest, and it's Sean Hyken, the NBA Sean Hyken, writer at Many different outlets, primarily Bleacher Report, formerly a Bulls beat writer at The Athletic. Uh, Sean was back on the Bulls beat briefly this week uh, when they went to visit Portland. Sean, you covered the Trailblazers game. Uh, That was probably the best Bulls game of the week, maybe, which is saying something. Uh, And Wednesday night, the Bulls lose to Portland 124-112. Pretty entertaining game back and forth. Uh, Sean, you were there, so I just... I'm wondering, you know, what was it like to be back around the team and, you know, what what sort of vibes were you picking up from the Bulls these days? Because, God, now 10 and 33, this has not been a fun season for fans like Jason and I to watch. And I can't imagine, um, you know, the players are having a better time than we are. Well, you know, it was fun to kind of jump back on the Bulls beat. I covered that game for NBC Sports Chicago. I had a few columns off of that game that, you know, I tweeted out. If anybody wants to go check them out, they're kind of they're probably kind of outdated now because there's been a couple of games since the game in Portland. But it's, you know, it was it was fun to kind of see everybody. Although I will say just with how much turnover there's just been in such little time since I've been off the beat, uh, this is only my second season not being on the beat and not being in Chicago anymore. There are only four guys on the team that were on the team my last full year on the beat, which is just, it's just crazy how much turnover there's already been. So who are those four guys? It's probably what Rolo, yeah. Portis, Big Chris, and then Denzel, who Den- was on the trip and is on. out the year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Did any of the players remember you when you walked into the locker room? Was Robin oh, yeah, Lopez tapping you oh, up? Yeah, the, oh yeah, the, the all four of the guys who were there when I was there. I mean, I was I was there for like two games of last season, but I, I obviously like Zach Levine and Lowry Markin and then like some of the guys who came there last year. None of those guys know me because I wasn't around long enough. But yeah, Bobby and Robin and Cristiano, those guys, I, I definitely was able to catch up with all of them, which which was cool. Uh, but I mean, I mean, it was it was it was just kind of crazy just how different the locker room was. It was a lot of, you know, and, and even Fred Hoiberg, who was a guy that I covered for his first two full years 
as Bulls coach. He's not there anymore. I knew Boylan a little bit because he was an assistant under Hoiberg, but it was a very it was a very different group. But you know, they 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 seemed like they were in okay spirits as much as you can be when you were at the time ten and thirty one. And you know that game, they were actually pretty competitive in that game. I they obviously weren't going to win. Just you know, it was on the road. You know, the, the talent gap is just too high. You know, the, the Blazers. You know, they have, you know, one of the best scoring backcourts in the league and, you know, Yusuf Nurkic has been playing incredible lately uh, for them. And that, you know, the, the the Bulls on the other side are, you know, playing Shaq Harrison as their backup uh, <laughs> three and he's six foot four. Like you, you just, you know how that's going to go from the start. But, you know, I, I thought they were pretty competitive and I thought they were, they look like they're kind of in a good spot in terms of how the guys should be developing and all that. And then of course, you know, two nights later they go out and they get blown out by 37 to the Warriors. So that was fun. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I guess just Ned. How do you think? Like, what do you see? Where do you see this Bulls rebuild going? Like, how do you like? Just do you think this is this is going to go well? Like, what is there anything specific you saw out of any out of any of the players up close or just like in general over the course of the season? Like, do you think this thing's gonna work? Or you think it's gonna? I mean, it's obviously very bad right now. But is there any like major positives you think that that they have uh, to build on right now? Well, I think they have three guys that you can really look at and say, this is going to be a piece going forward that we're going to be able to build around long term. And those three pieces obviously are Zach Levine, uh, Lowry Markkinen, and Wendell Carter. Uh, Carter in particular was terrific in the game in Portland that I saw. You know, he had 22 points, 7 of 9 shooting. He even hit a corner three, which he said he's trying to, you know, shoot more threes. He looked pretty good defensively. And for a 19-year-old, I think he has a lot of awareness at that end of the floor in particular. I think he's going to be a good player for a long time. Markkanen struggled in that game, but, you know, he's a guy where, you know, he's working his way back from an elbow injury. He, You have to think he's going to get more comfortable. He's going to, you know, Jim Boylan was talking about how he wants him to be more selfish and he wants him to look for his own shot more. And, you know, you can see obviously the talent and, you know, the year he had as, as a rookie last year, I think he's going to be a really good player for them. And then Levine, you know, whatever you want to say, obviously he's not a good defender. He's... You know, he has, you know, there's some holes in his game. He's, he's kind of a, you know, he's kind of a black hole, but he's, you know, he, he clearly can score. He can get to the, get to the basket. He is a good outside shooter. There are, you know, things that you can point to that say, okay, you know, he's going to be a good, you know, scorer out on the, on the wing for the long term. So I think they have a few pieces to build around. I'm kind of with Ricky because, you know, as a loyal cash considerations listener, I, you know, I, I know, I know all about your guys' draft takes. I'm kind of with Ricky in that. You know, they need to, if they can get Zion, that makes the whole thing look a lot better than it does now. But, you know, I think they have a decent enough foundation. It's just a matter of, you know, are they going to be able to put the pieces around them and hire the coach, uh, the right coach long term? And, you know, with this organization having the track record that it does, that's kind of a big if. But, you know, at least they, you know, they have a couple of, they're not, they're not the Orlando Magic of like the first couple of years after the Dwight. It's not like they have nobody yeah. that they can build around. They have a few guys. It's just what do you think about Chris Dunn? Because you, you so did not mention him. We you talked about Lowry, Wendell Carter, Zach Levine as three main guys. What do you think about Chris Dunn's future with the team? I think he's going to be a good NBA player. I don't think I don't think you can look at him and say, "Oh, this is you know guaranteed." You know, our starting point guard going forward. Like like for example, if whatever draft position I haven't done as much draft you know scouting and stuff as maybe Ricky has, but. Uh, if if it if they're at the point where you know it's their pick in the draft and the best player in a, available at their at their spot is a point guard, I don't think Chris Dunn is so good that you can't say, oh, we can't take a point guard because we have Chris Dunn. I don't think he's that level of like a foundational guy to build around. But you know, with you know what he's able to do defensively, uh, you know, I think he's very versatile on that. And 
I, you know, his, his offense obviously has to get a lot better uh, before, you know, before you can look at him and say, this is a long-term piece to build around. That's why I didn't include him in that group of like guys that they're definitely going to be building around long-term. But, you know, I think at the very least, he's a good, you know, third guard or a backup that, you know, can help a lot of teams, you know, whether it's, yeah. you know, w- you know whether, whether he stays in Chicago long-term or whether he, uh, you know, ends up going somewhere else. I think he's a guy who's going to be carving out a nice role for himself in the league. I just don't know if he's going to be long-term. This is a starting point guard on a contending. Uh, what I'm curious about, Sean, is for those who don't know, the last season you covered was the three alphas year, right? So yes. I'm curious yes. just how the mood around the team in the locker room has changed from then, obviously, back then you had a really dominating personality in Jimmy Butler, a really dominating personality in Dwayne Wade, and then you had Rondo in that mix too. Uh, now, you know, I would just assume that sort of the vibes around the locker room and the vibes around the team are completely different, given that it's a young team. Uh, they're getting pounded for the second straight year, you know, uh, once again with the chance of getting the first pick in the draft. Uh, I'm just sort of curious, you know, what what's it like uh, in that locker room and how do you compare and contrast it from, you know, from your time with the three alphas era? Well, it's definitely different when you don't have a Jimmy Butler or a Dwayne Wade in that, and, you know, that level of personality where they just take up all the oxygen in the room. I guess Zach Levine is like, by default that guy now because you know he's you know he's he's a big personality he's very gregarious he's very outgoing but he doesn't have the same kind of uh gravitas that jimmy butler and Dwayne wade aspire to or that they you know sometimes brought to the locker room in in both positive and negative ways uh during that year that they were there but you know it's a lot of guys you know they're younger guys it's a lot looser they it's not a lot of guys who have really accomplished that much in the league to this point so it's not a lot of guys who are you know walking around acting like you know they're like they're a star or they're uh or, or, you know, or, you know, they deserve to be treated a certain way. It's a lot of just kind of young guys who are still trying to prove themselves. You know, the, 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 the longest tenured guy on the team at this point is Bobby Portis, which is wild. But he, you know, he, but, you know, it's, it's definitely a different dynamic when you have not, you know, the type of personalities that they maybe had the three alphas year or, you know, or before that, when you had like Joakim Noah, you know, Taj yeah. Gibbs and somebody like that. And they had been there for a long time and just commanded a lot of respect. Interesting, yeah, because those God, Jimmy and Wade were, and I, I, I was not in the locker room, but those just those guys were goofballs. That <laughs> was a that was a that was a fun year, kids. Like you could you could you could just tell going in any any day. Like if you're just in the locker room before the game, not a lot of guys really talked on the record or did media availability before the game, but you know guys would be in and out, and you could always just tell from the beginning what kind of jimmy day it was going to be like he oh, would man. come in some days he would come in and he was just like loose and he was joking around with people and just kind of you know cracking jokes with people and you could be like okay you know this is going to be good and then there were some days where i don't know whether it was something in his personal life that was bothering him but he would just some days he would just come in just looking really you know, all moody not talking to anybody and you were just like okay he's going to give us nothing tonight from a media standpoint like you could you could just tell right away going in what kind of day it was and it was always going to be kind of one or the other Interesting. All right, I guess so. I guess staying in like the locker room, since there was obviously a big change in the locker room, we also had some big news in terms of the head coach Jim Boylan. Uh, one of the big big news over the weekend was that he got a raise. It came out. It came out on Saturday after the Bulls got their ass beat by the Warriors. What was like one forty six to one hundred nine or something like that. After they got smoked by the Warriors earlier this season, and then they got smoked by them again. And then Saturday, Joe Colley of the Sun Times reports that Jim Boylan gets a raise for 
not only this season, but through next season. He's getting paid $1.6 million this season. And then next season, he's guaranteed, uh, this per Woj, Adrian Wojnarowski, uh, $1 million next season out of a $1.6 million deal total. So that obviously, you see that after the, a game like the Warriors game where they get their ass beat. They're in the middle of a six-game losing streak, and people went wild. And I, my, my response, I was out at a bar. I was drinking, so I was not exactly sober. So I see this, my phone, I'm, I'm naturally mad as well. And a bunch of people are mad, under, don't understand why they're doing it. Of course, it really looking look actually looking at it, it's really not that big a deal. Sean, what do you make of the the boiling the boiling raise, the timing of it? Does it is it actually a big deal in the grand scheme of things? Just what do you what do you think about that? Well, the timing is absolutely hilarious coming after coming a day after they get blown out by thirty seven points to the Warriors. But you know, I'll say this, even as far as the timing is concerned, it's not like the front office, you know, watched that game and were like, we really need to do get this Jim Boylan raise done right now and yeah. do this. It Just because it came out that day doesn't mean that it got done that day. Like, it's the kind of thing where that had been in the works for a while. And I really don't think, and I look, I totally, I get it. I've been around Bulls Twitter and Bulls, the Bulls fan base for a long time. And I know kind of what track record the organization has. So I get it. I totally get why the first reaction was to just completely freak out about it, news like this. But it really is not that big of a deal. And it's just the kind of thing that you knew was going to happen eventually. Like Jim Boylan did not sign an extension with the bulls. He was under contract for next year anyway, for, I believe it was, I believe the reported figure was what $800,000 was his salary when he was the associate head coach under Fred Hoiberg. Yeah. So essentially what happened with, you know, Woj was the one reporting that, you know, they, his salary is now 1.6 for this year and then 1.6 for next year, but only 1 million of it is guaranteed. Basically all they did was they doubled his salary for this year, which I think is reasonable considering that he was in the middle of the season thrust into a job that has a lot more responsibilities than his old job. So giving him a nice bump in pay, I think is a fair thing to do for him there. And then they just guaranteed him an extra $200,000 for next year over what he was going to be owed uh, anyway. And so, I mean, this is such a common thing. Like I know that when, and this was also kind of a high profile thing because he didn't just accept it right away, but Earlier on in the season when the Cavs fired Ty Lue and they wanted to make Larry Drew the new head coach, he said, okay, I'm going to do it, but you guys have to give me a little bit more money and you guys have to guarantee me a little bit more money for next year. Because, you know, when you're paid like an assistant coach and suddenly you're asked to be a head coach, it's reasonable to ask for a little bit more money. I don't think this for sure, you know, locks in that he's going to be their head coach next year. I I think the bigger thing with that is going to be what happens with Fred Hoiberg because he's still owed Mm – five million for next season so if fred takes another job and they're off the hook for at least some or all of that money then i think that makes it a little bit more likely that maybe they'll look at uh things this summer and decide they want to make a change but at the very least you know all all this really was was just you know they wanted to you know give jim boylan a little bit extra money to reflect what his job is now versus what his job was when he signed that contract which i think is reasonable and i don't think it's nearly as big of a deal as a lot of people were making. So it out to be I agree with you, Heiken, that Boylan, you know, absolutely did deserve a raise. I believe there's no NBA coach making less than 2.5 million uh, this season, and Boylan, uh, he's going to be at now 1.6 moving forward. So that really isn't the issue to me. I'm glad the Bulls took care of him a little bit. Honestly, he should be making even more money. But the problem is that Jim Boylan's fucking terrible. He does not deserve to coach another NBA game. Uh, You know, you dealt with him a little bit after the Portland game. Um, I know that media members don't have a ton of access to assistant coaches. Is that correct? So I'm assuming you didn't talk to him much during that three alphas year. Uh, I remember one story that I was, that he helped me out on, which was a story I wrote early on in the three alphas year where he 
where, where I was talking about how one of the reasons the Bulls were successful defensively was uh, that was because they were, you know, keeping teams off the foul line and not, you know, committing a lot of fouls on that. And, and so since Boylan was kind of the de facto defensive guy on Fred's staff, I went to him and he was very helpful to me for that story. I always thought he was a good guy. I never really, uh, I, I, I certainly didn't have the kind of relationship with him where I knew that, you know, he was going to, things were going to go the way they went with some of the stuff he's saying to the media now that he's the head coach. Uh, as far as, you know, I, I, I hear what you're saying as far as, you, you know, how you feel about, you know, the job he's done so far. Do I think that he's the long-term coach for this team? No, I don't. But they also, you know, they, they elevated him to, uh, to the head coach. He, it's, it's so rare for any team to make an actual change in the, uh, in the middle of a season when they fire coach in terms of bringing in an outside coach, it's usually somebody on staff finishes out the year. I think the only time I can remember that a team fires a coach in the middle of the year and then brings in a coach totally from the outside who wasn't already in the organization was uh, a few years ago when the Kings fired Mike Malone and then they made Ty Corbin the interim. And then they went to the step of removing Ty Corbin's interim tab tag and saying, Oh, he's going to be the coach for the rest of the season. And then a month later they go in and actually say, Oh, you know, actually we're going to go bring in George Carl. That's going to be our coach now. And then, you know, that was, that was kind of shady the way, the way it happened. But I, I hear what you're saying about, you know, you, you said you, you think Jim Boylan is terrible. You don't think he should coach another NBA game. This team is so bad anyway this year. It's not like getting a new coach in there right now in the middle of the season. First of all, the amount of candidates that are out there right now that like there's going to be a better if they decide they want to make a change and bring in a more long-term coach there's going to be a bigger pool of candidates to choose from this summer because you know there, there are going to be teams you know the season's going to be over there are going to be teams that make changes there just inevitably always are teams that change out their coaches uh in the off season and so you know there are going to be some people coming available that maybe are going to be more desirable than you know who's out there right now and the team is so bad anyway it's not like if they bring in a different coach from the outside right now that suddenly, you know, now they're going to make the playoffs or now they're going to be a little bit less embarrassing than they are right now. So you might as well just keep it going in-house. Uh, I don't I don't really see any downside to him coaching the rest of the season. Now, it'll be interesting to see again what happens this summer and, you know, whether Fred Hoiberg getting another job or not, you know, changes their willingness to maybe look to outside candidates in the summer. But I don't think it really would have made a lot of sense for them to actually bring well, in Well, the problem is that they already the, had the a better coach in like Fred Hoiberg. And, you know, you said that you don't think the Bulls are doing uh, too much damage with Boylan coaching the rest of the year. Uh, I somewhat agree in a sense just because I feel like the only real chance the Bulls have towards finding any level of contention in the next couple of years is by landing the first pick, getting Zion Williamson. Boylan just actively sabotaging this roster every chance he gets is benefiting that tank race. Uh, but I also wonder what sort of effect Boylan and his offensive methods are having on some of the cornerstone pieces of this roster that you mentioned. In the last three games since Jason and I recorded the last podcast, Larry Markinen, 34 total points, I think, uh, on 37 shots. So... Uh, he's in a rough stretch right now. Throughout January, his three-point attempts are way down. The Bulls as a team have taken the least amount of three-pointers in the NBA since Boylan took over. If you want to look at the season-long stats and three-point attempts, the Rockets lead the league at taking 44 threes a game. The Bulls are dead fucking last in the league, 22.8 attempts per game from three-point range. Jim Boylan has this team playing slow, walk-it-up basketball. He has them playing inside-out, pounding the ball into the paint, 
every game he keeps citing points in the paint as if it matters when they're getting beat by 30 from the three-point line. I think this is completely insane, Hyken and Jason. And I'm curious, you know, what you guys think because the level of outrage that came from Bulls fans following the boiling contract news, it was only outrage because this guy's terrible. You know, I do wonder if he's actively hurting the long-term development of the cornerstone pieces on this roster. How ridiculous is that concern uh, from your perspective? Well, I don't think half a season with an interim head co- I mean, I know he's technically not the interim head coach. They they didn't give him that tag. But, tech, but half a season with a guy who's not going to be the coach long-term, I don't think that's going to completely ruin the development of a 19-year-old. These guys are so young. They have such long careers ahead of them. It's not like, you know, oh, they played half a season of really slow, antiquated basketball under Jim Boylan, and now these guys are ruined forever in their development. I don't think that's really a fair thing to to put on them. You know, certainly the way that things are going right now, like it's not it's not a great look for them. And you're obviously seeing the results on the court with just how they're getting run off the floor most nights by some of these teams and how the way they're playing is so out of step. And is that, and is that the kind of thing they want to do long-term? No. And that's, is, is Jim Boyle in the long-term coach? I don't think he is, but I think the idea that he's just completely ruining these guys' careers based on just this one less than a full season that he's probably going to even be in the job is a little bit overblown. That's my, that's my take on it. I don't know how you feel about it, Jason. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not as down. Like, I'm fine with him sticking out the year. Like, I'm not as down on, like, I don't like him at all. I, I, I think he's bad, like, whatever. Like, but I'm more t- shade towards you where I think it's fine if he sticks out the year, like, and he's not going to completely ruin these guys. And I guess I, I was going to follow up with a question to you, Sean, as well, just about, you mentioned about Fred Hoiberg, who's, he's owed whatever, the 5 million guaranteed next year if uh-huh. he doesn't get another job. Do you think if he does not take another job and the Bulls are on the hook for Hoiberg next year, and then they're obviously on the hook for at least $1 million to boil in, do you think that they would go out and actually do a real coaching search and hire somebody else, or do you think that they would cheap out and just keep boiling because they don't want to pay three coaches? Well, it's going to depend on how the rest of the season goes, because if it continues like this and the Bulls finish with like 15 or 16 or 17 wins on the season – which it seems like that's a direction that it's heading, especially once they once Robin Lopez isn't on the team anymore. And we can talk about that in a little bit. But I don't see how you would, would be able to look at the way that things have gone under Boylan if they keep going the way that they're going and say, you know what, I definitely, you know, this this is the guy we need to bring back long term uh, and, and, you know, and, and let him, you know, coach again the, the next season. But honestly, I have no idea what's going to happen when it comes to their coaching search. And it, it again, I think it's going to come down to whether Fred gets another job. I think if Fred gets another job and they're off the hook for some of that money, then definitely I would see them make maybe, you know, actually undergoing a coaching search this summer. But then if he doesn't get another job, I, I honestly, I don't know what's going to happen. I can see that going either way. I don't really have any real information on to, as to whether that's going to happen. Well, but I think it's more likely if Fred gets, well, another I job, agree with you with that assessment hike but here's the thing, regardless of if Fred gets another job, Boylan better not be the coach next year. If that happens, the Bulls are already pissing away another yeah, year I would of agree development with that, yeah. uh, for their top players, and especially if you get Zion Williamson and you're running this slow-ass post-driven offense. I mean, give me a break. Boylan cannot be the coach next year, whether he uh, whether Hoiberg gets another job or not. And really, it's insulting to the fans because – the fans are still showing up. Right now, if you look at home attendance in the NBA, the Bulls are second in the entire league, barely trailing the 76ers. Uh, so people are still showing up and supporting this team, but obviously there is a vocal minority, maybe even a vocal majority of Bulls fans at this point. 
uh, who are just fed up with all the garbage this organization continues to feed us. The Boylan thing, to me, just pushes it over the top. I mean, there's no way this guy should be the coach next year. And even the fact that he's the coach this year because John Paxson has some weird vendetta against Hoiberg and that John Paxson sees Boylan apparently as a reflection of himself. And he wants to play basketball like the NBA was played in like the 1940s or 50s or whatever. Uh, it's all just so <laughs> deeply messed up. And, you know, that's why you have this sense of outrage over everything the Bulls do, whether it's, you know, acquiring MCW uh, just so they can get some cash back or, you know, giving Boylan an extension. Like, these aren't that Was there really outrage over the MCW trade? Because to me, that that was... There was absolutely I agree, no, but I'm saying that no bearing on you it. see the right, level yeah. of outrage because the fan base is so fed up, and they're fed up because Boylan should not be coaching the team at all like, just like a, this way. Yeah, yeah, that was just like the initial thing. It was like when it first came off, I, or when that first news came across, I was like, "What the hell is this? Are you kidding me?" It's like the general like before actually thinking about it. I just I feel like so many Bulls fans just have the natural reaction to be like, "What the fuck are these guys doing?" Obviously. Once you re- like, once you realize that they were in a wave, MCW is all fine. But it's like there's just like a, a natural like knee jerk reaction to think the Bulls did something and it's crappy. Like the the MCW thing was fine. The Justin Holiday trade was great. We were really positive on our last podcast, basically. But then stuff like this with the boil with the boiling thing, getting their ass beat by the by the Warriors, just people naturally think it's bad. And then even what you mentioned the Robin Lopez stuff. Let's go into the Robin Lopez stuff. I feel like the way that was almost kind of presented. It was reported last uh, last night by. Yahoo Sports' Chris Haynes that it came out it was like Bulls refused to negotiate a buyout with Robin Lopez. It kind of put – I feel like it painted the Bulls in like almost a negative light. They're, like they're not going to do him the favor. I'm assuming that stuff was all coming from Rolo's camp. But basically, Rolo wants to go to the Warriors, and it was like reported that he – like if he does get bought out or whatever, that uh, that he would be going to the Warriors, and the Bulls won't do it. But And I feel like a lot of people were like, oh, well, stupid Bulls. Like they're being dicks. They're being petty, blah, blah, blah. Like, I feel like in this case, the Bulls are absolutely right to not just give away Robin Lopez for free. Like, there's still, a, whatever, a little less than a month to the trade deadline. Like, I don't know if Robin Lopez is actually going to get, like, that much on a trade. Like, we'll talk about that, that a bit more with some other stuff. But, like, you're not I, just just straight up waving a guy just because, whatever, if he wants to do it, like, before before trying to trade him. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Sean, tell what do you think about the whole Robin Lopez buyout Warriors story? Well, I don't think, first of all, that Robin Lopez is going to still be on the team in a month. Right. Because, yeah. you know, we have, you know, we have what, the trade deadline is February 7th. Yeah. There is no, I mean, yes, I, I kind of, I, I understand the, the, the impulse of, oh, you know, the, you know, the, yeah, the Bulls should you know, free Robin Lopez, let him go join a contender. You know, he has no use being on the Bulls. He's, he's, uh, you know, he's not going to be on the team long term. He, you know, the, he's a veteran. He doesn't really have a role on this team that's rebuilding and is going to be bad. And he should be able to just go join a contender. Fine, like I get all that, but he, like, for, first of all, the buyout market is just crazy. Like I, I was talking about this a little bit on Twitter yeah. uh, last night, and it's just kind of weird how like we're you know just in this place now. You know, you saw it with you know Tyson Chandler early and earlier on in the year get you know gets a buyout and goes to the Lakers, or you know there are there are just certain you know, there was a certain time of year where it's just assumed that, oh, all the good players on these bad teams are just going to get bought out and be able to go join a contender for free. Like, like that's just a place that we're at where that, that where that's just like an accepted way that things happen now, which, which I mean, that's here, neither here nor there, but it's just kind of weird. But now going into more specifically the Robin Lopez thing, what reason do the bulls have to do it right now? I think it's going to get done eventually, but you know, you just saw today Woj reports that uh, Clint Capella is out for four to six weeks. If you're the bulls, 
you can now call up Houston. I don't know exactly what the trade would look like, you know, from a pieces standpoint, but you know, Houston just lost their starting center. They're trying to keep pace in the playoff run. You know, James Harden is, you know, making this MVP push. The Bulls could call the Rockets and say, hey, you just lost your starting center for the next four to six weeks. We have a very capable veteran guy who can slot in as a starting center in that short term. What will you give us for him? And Houston might be desperate enough to actually be able to say, okay, you know, we'll give you a pick or something, you know, or I, I don't know exactly what the trade would look like, but you hang, I mean, there's no reason for the Bulls not to hang on to Robin Lopez until the trade deadline and see if they can get something for him. And then if they can't get something for him at the deadline, then maybe you think more seriously about a buyout. But talking about it now and framing it as, oh, the Bulls are holding out on Robin Lopez because they're not going to buy him out right now so we can join the Warriors, I think that really makes no sense. Yeah, I agree. And you mentioned the Rockets thing. Uh, Brandon Knight is sitting there making, I think, a similar salary to what uh, Robin Lopez's role is at like 14.4 million or something. I think Knight might be at around there as well. Basically, I, th- I think their salaries basically almost match up. Brandon Knight's been hurt all the time. He's basically useless. I think he's played a little bit for them and he hasn't done that much. Like Brandon Knight, and he's, and he, and he's got he's got money. So the, I, that's the big thing is, will the Bulls be willing to take on money going into next season as well? Because I feel like Lopez for Brandon Knight and a first-round pick, I mean, if the Rockets are willing to give up that first-round pick, they'd probably protect it in case their season goes down the drain and they actually – somehow wind up in the lottery but like or even if the bulls look for a future first round pick maybe when the rockets maybe tail off a bit maybe the, maybe they look to the future of a few years or something like that i feel like that kind of trade would possibly make sense if the rockets are willing to give up that first or if they're willing to give up some seconds i'm not sure what their what their second round pick situation is but like i feel like that would definitely make kind of sense and i totally agree with you that there's no reason for the bulls rushing into this like would it would it maybe would it be better for robin lopez probably but like the bulls as like pro player as I am, like you still gotta like do your best to get what do what's best for the team, and just straight up letting him go to the to the, the champs just doesn't make much sense. So I I'm totally totally agree with you on that, Ricky. Are you with no, us on that? I agree with you guys. I do hope that gets out of this situation eventually because the Bulls are going nowhere. There's nothing for him uh, yeah. here that he can achieve for in his sure. career. So I do hope Robin Lopez gets out eventually. Uh, and Robin Lopez got out today. Actually, at least a little bit, because the reports from practice yeah, today, did. Robin Lopez yes, did. Uh, was especially chippy at practice, and he was tossed. Uh, Jim Boylan had to remove him uh, from practice, from scrimmage. So uh, I'm curious, what does this say about the leadership committee? And, uh, you know, wh- where does the leadership committee stand at now that Justin Holiday is gone, Robin Lopez is being tossed? Uh, the student council is taking a big hit, guys. Yeah, I don't know. I think they kind of have to fill a couple of those spots. Maybe Chris Dunn is going to get on there. Uh, maybe Cristiano Felicio can get, you know, he's, you know, he's one of the longer tenured guys at this point. Uh, maybe they'll, you know, give him a spot. Maybe Chandler Hutchison will, now that he's in the starting lineup, maybe he'll be able to, you know, throw his name into the mix. I don't know, but like, that's going to, that 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 leadership council thing is huge. Like that that that's gonna that's gonna go great this for your college such, ads. Like that's gonna look good as an extracurricular. You know? Guys, the fact First that all, this is what they fed us following the mutiny reports after the Boston game, uh, this was completely idiotic right away. Does do either of you actually believe that a the leadership committee actually exists and b that it has any input? Uh, at this point in the season, other than just being some more fucking bullshit that the front office and the head coach fed us following, you know, the reports of the mutiny. Does anyone put any stock in the leadership committee? Because I don't. 
I was going to say, uh, like, I feel like we haven't heard like anything about it since it was formed. Like they, they like announced it. Oh, we got these, whatever, four or five guys on the leadership committee, blah, blah, blah. And I feel like we haven't heard like anything about it since. So I feel like it almost seems like it was just for show to be like, oh, like we're together. Or, like we got this committee that's going to help us take us through these tough times, blah, blah. And like, I'm just, I'm just kind of feeling like from the, the scene from the Bobs from Office Space, just like, what would you say you guys do here? Like, cause I don't know what they do. Yeah, it really does seem like that was just kind of a short-term damage control thing in terms of like, like, oh no, there was mutiny because, because, because remember the next day, like there was a whole mutiny. There was, there was the, all the reports that the players were thinking about not showing up to practice. Yep. And then Jim Boylan said, no, it was my idea to do the players only meeting. Like it definitely feels like that was like the whole leadership committee was just kind of a, a, a short term, like, Hey, look, you know, we're taking steps to be more together as a team. And then you haven't heard a peep about it since then. I almost regret you know, the game that I was there uh, in Portland, I'm not on the beat regularly anymore, so I'm not really like in a position to ask anybody anything right now. But I almost wish I had kind of tried to follow up on the leadership committee and seen where things stand with that uh, at the time. But I'm not really sure what, uh, you know, what, 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 you know, where things are or how real that was. You know, you this team is honestly the KC biggest joke in the entire like, I mean, the way that. they just continue to feed us this bullshit while the fans, <laughs> this might be, this has to be the most loyal fan base in the NBA. They're still continuing to pack the building every single night. Uh, I think, you know, if you go to Bulls games lately or you look for tickets on the secondary market, there are a lot of empty seats. That building is nowhere near capacity, even though those tickets are sold. But this is why fans get so upset. It's just garbage after garbage after garbage. It's like, where do the lies stop? And you're never going to know because it's just been an onslaught of them ever since Paxson and Foreman have been in power. So uh, I guess this is, I feel like it's a good transition to another just kind of weird situation with uh, Jabari Parker. Like uh, Jabari Parker was big, whatever, big offseason signing, two-year, $40 million deal, team option the second year. And he's been mostly out of the rotation. He returned from the rotation uh, against the Jazz because Bobby Portis was out. We'll see moving forward. Like if Rolo's out of the picture and Jabari's still around, like maybe they make Portis the backup five and make, and give, Parker minutes until they find a deal. I know there was there was a rumor out there, uh, a few, like a month or a couple weeks ago, about the Knicks being involved, possibly in conversations. And then over the weekend, another rumor out of New York that uh, with a possible like three team trade with Ennis Cantor involved, and they were trying to find a three a third team. It doesn't seem like there's really anything imminent there. But like just the whole Jabari situation. I know Ricky. I think on our new on our first pod of the new year, you were just basically like. The Bulls need to figure out, like, they need to do something with Jabari. They they need to find a trade soon. They need to play him, or they need to just they need to buy him out. So like, and they're still just kind of jerking him around, jerking him around. And like, I, I don't want to feel bad for Jabari just because of all the like he has not held up his end of the bargain at what he's being paid either. But like, his situation just goofy as hell too. So like, they need to figure this out. Sean, what did what did you did you were you able to talk to Jabari at all? What do you make of what's been happening with Jabari, just the Jabari Parker situation in general? Well, I think that where clearly where it's headed is he's going to get bought out uh, before, you know, the March first deadline. You know, so we'll you know we'll see if he he ends up signing anywhere after that. But as far as you know, some of these trade talks, like you know, you heard the thing about the Knicks, you heard about you know the Knicks and Sacramento and all this kind of stuff. Like the problem with with trading Jabari, even though he's essentially on an expiring contract, where you know there's a team option for next year, so it's not a lot of long term commitment. They still have to match salaries, or a team that's taking him on still has to send out matching salaries, and he's making twenty million this year. So that just makes it really hard for them to really unload that deal. 
and get anything back without taking on long-term money, which they've been pretty clear they don't want to do. So I just don't really know where the trade is going to be between now and the trade deadline on February 7th. So I would guess that probably what ends up happening is he stays kind of in this in-between zone. The only reason he got in in that uh, Utah game was because Bobby Portis was out with the elbow thing after the Warriors game. So I, I still think they're probably not planning on playing him uh, in the long term, but probably what's going to happen is, you know, they're not going to be able to find a trade for him by the deadline, and then he's going to just get bought out. Yeah, and thanks, man. We Blue Net Wire Network is awesome. There is a bunch of NBA pods that cover the league uh, as a whole throughout the network. So, uh, Jason, we got some ads to read. That we do. Fun fun stuff. These are our first ad reads ever. Uh Fun stuff. So I will start with uh, we got my pillow app. So this is obviously Jason, Jason Pat from Cash Considerations Podcast at Blue Wire. And like the rest of us, you probably made a New Year's resolution. I, if you're planning to be to eat better, exercise more, be more patient, kinder, whatever. That all sounds like great stuff. It all starts with a good night's rest. Now I could always use a better night's rest. So please go to mypillow.com and click on the four pack special and enter my promo code Cozy. That's C-O-Z-Y, and you'll get two premium my pillows and two two go anywhere pillows. It's really amazing what a difference a great pillow makes. And if you go to mypillow.com right now and click on their four pack, shipping is absolutely free. It's awesome. Free shipping is always great. No shipping costs, zippo, zilch, nada. Don't forget about their 60-day money-back guarantee. There's absolutely nothing better than the gift of restorative sleep. So go to mypillow.com, click on the four pack special, and use the code COZY, C-O-Z-Y, to get two premium my pillows. And two go anywhere pillows. MyPillow.com or call 800-966-1472. And remember, the, my promo code can be used for any offer on MyPillow.com. And then again, that is the promo code COZY, C-O-Z-Y. Ricky, back to you. Jason, you've heard plenty of stories about drug cartels, right? Tons of them. They're all over the news. But the crime ring you've probably never heard of is one of the most dangerous in the world. They're the Mennonite mob. You heard right, Jason. Mennonites. 99% of them are kind, God-fearing people, but there's one group that has smuggled millions of dollars of narcotics from Mexico to Canada. Sounds pretty crazy. Wednesday, starting January 23rd at 10, 9 Central, WGN America presents the new TV series Pure, based on true events of the Mennonite mob. The show is about Noah Funk, the newly elected Mennonite pastor who is determined to rid his community of the drug cartel, but he finds himself weighing over his head. And the good pastor, along with his wife, will do some very bad things all in the name of protecting their family. Jason, think of pure is Breaking Bad meets Witness makes Narcos. Oh, wow. hell of a sales pitch right there. Dang. Get yeah. hooked on pure, Jason. Cash Considerations podcast listeners, Wednesdays, Starting January 23rd at 10, 9 Central only on WGN America. WGN America is available on DirecTV channel 307, Dish channel 239, or check your local listings for the channel in your area. We're watching Pierre, Jason. Dang, yeah, it sounds, uh, I might have to get into that. I'm a big fan of Breaking Bad. I'll, I'll, I'll do it. Look at, check it out. All right, so... It was great to have Sean on. Finally, we had a guest. It was about time. We had Hikins the man. We had, we had spent. We had talked about have, finally getting a guest, and it's about damn time that we got one. Hikins, a good guy. Met him plenty of times out there. Out there in Portland, used to be in Chicago for a while. So he's a good dude. It's good to talk to him. 
so I guess, like I said, obviously we talked a lot about what's been going on lately these last few days. A lot, a lot of stuff going on. Bulls obviously at a 10-33. They still got a couple games left on the road trip. I th- I'm kind of really interested to see their next game is uh, Tuesday night in L.A. against the Lakers, who have been absolute dog shit without LeBron. I'm kind of curious that like if the Bulls somehow do win that game, not that I'm totally want them to because we're we're all aboard the tank, but if they do win that game, like I'm really curious to see if Luke Walton gets fucking canned because like they just the Lakers just lost to the Cavs uh, uh, last night, which the Cavs were on like a 12 game losing streak. They had the worst defense of all time. And the Lakers didn't even break a hundred on them. The Bull, we saw the Bulls, this Bulls team, bad Bulls team, beat the Cavs' ass in Cleveland a couple weeks ago. And the Lakers were just awful without LeBron, without Rondo. So I'm, I think it's gonna be a really interesting game. And I know I it was I was fighting with some Lakers fans like last week uh, because I was talking shit about their young core about it not being that good. And then like the next like the next day after I was talking crap, because I think this was before I can't remember what game it was before, but I was talking crap. I like posted a box score about how they were all terrible. And then, like, the next game, like, Ingram went off, like, Lonzo went off. So, I think it'll be interesting to see just, like, I feel like the Bulls and Lakers' young cores have been k- kind of compared about who's got the brighter future in terms of their young guys. Uh, so, I think it'll be really interesting to see because, like I said, the Lakers have been really struggling. Like, what, what do you think about those those Lakers' young guys compared to what the Bulls have? I think that I was, I was totally wrong about Brandon Ingram. I really liked Brandon in- Ingram in that draft. Uh, I was buying him as, at the time, the first pick, and that was just totally wrong. So I'll fess up to that. You cover the draft. If you have a job as someone who gives takes, uh, sometimes you're going to mess up, and I really screwed up with Brandon Ingram. His shooting just hasn't translated, and that's really sabotaged his entire game until he can figure out that three-point shot, which he was a 40% three-point shooter at Duke on decent volume. I remember my buddy John Charks writing something that, like, you know, even in a worst case scenario, Brandon Ingram's like a six nine Buddy Heald. Well, now we've seen Buddy Heald, who's been torching the Nets uh, for Sacramento. He's been one of my favorite players to watch in the whole league this year. In the same draft class, Brandon Ingram just really struggling. Still only twenty one years old, I think, but uh, but it hasn't gone well, and it just sort of shows. You know, while we all love rebuilding through the draft, I think that you know that's what fans want to do that's obviously what the bulls plan is uh right now there's just no guarantees man like the lakers got the second three, pick in the draft three, years in, three yeah. years in a row three years in a row and then they signed the greatest player of all time and they're still you know a middling team in the west without any real uh without any real path to contention unless they're able to get another superstar so uh just the lakers i don't know it's like in, unless Ingram rediscovers the shot, they're going to be in a tough position until they add another superstar. I think anyone sort of realizes that at this point. Uh, the Bulls do have only one game after that at the end of the road trip where they're in Denver on Thursday the 17th. They're going to lose that game by like 45. I would probably, think the right? Bulls were competitive against Denver in Chicago. The Nuggets did not play well that game. They lost yeah. in like a last second like put back by I think Paul Millsap in like overtime. Like yeah, Wendell Carter had like his one of the best games of, of his uh, rookie season, and that was a fun game. But yeah, in Denver, like end of a road trip in alt- altitude against a team that's playing really well, that they've been getting healthy. Like that's got the makings of an absolute beatdown. Uh, and uh, you know the Bulls right now ten and thirty three. This week was just terrible. A couple people tweeted at me that uh, you know. Me and you, but mostly me, being a little bit more optimistic on the last podcast, sort of cursed this week from the very start. Basically, my optimism is all geared around the point that, like, 
the only way this thing's going to get better anytime soon is if they land the number one pick and get Zion. And if nothing else, at least they're giving themselves a chance for that to happen. It's not a great plan. They're going to need to get lucky for it to pay off. But if they get Zion, everything changes overnight. There's going to be a lot of people who are going to make a lot of money off Zion Williamson if he comes to the Bulls. Uh, and that would immediately reinvigorate this franchise. So, uh, you know, right yeah, now, get if you to the tankathon, tankathon standings. Tankathon, this is your this is your typical Tankathon standings update at the Cash Considerations podcast. Uh, the Bulls would be number two right now at ten and thirty three. The only team worse is Cleveland at nine and thirty five. The Bulls are tied with the Knicks. Uh, Phoenix has eleven wins. Atlanta has thirteen wins. Again, the Bulls at ten and thirty three. So. They're going to be somewhere in the top five. Man, it would be nice if they could get in the top three because I think uh, the top three teams this year all have a 14% chance to get the number one pick. If you're fourth, you have a 12.5% chance. And if you're fifth, you have a 10.5% chance. So, you know, the way the Bulls turn this thing around is if they hire a real coach, you know, once again, someone who could sort of be on the cutting edge of modern coaching techniques. The way Thibodeau was once back in the day, Thibodeau hasn't been able to adjust, but, you know, the reason that he was so successful early in his Bulls tenure. Yeah, he had very good talent, but also like the league had not caught up to Thibodeau at that point. He was on the cutting edge of, you know, modern defense or what was modern defense. The Bulls need to find that type of coach again because the way they're playing, Jason, is just absolute garbage. Like if if they somehow get Zion, there's no way they can keep playing boiling ball where they're refusing to shoot three-pointers, where they're playing quote-unquote inside-out, where they're pounding the ball through the post. How many times have we seen the ball go into Robin Lopez out of timeouts? Jason, this is completely (laughs) ridiculous. And it almost feels like Boylan's skating a bit on how bad he is because people are, you know, either more worried about Chicago baseball free agency with Manny Machado maybe going to the White Sox with the Cubs maybe making some sort of quiet pursuit of Bryce Harper or, you know, Cubs ownership deciding to spend all their money on horrible Republican (laughs) politicians instead of paying Bryce Harper. Uh, And then we also have, you know, the Bears hangover too and the Cody Parkey redemption tour and all that, all that garbage. But dude, this game against Utah that the Bulls played on Saturday night, Utah took 45 three-pointers. Uh, the Bulls took 20. Yeah, so I mean, going back to that Blazers game where like, Sean was at, the, the first half the Bulls were kind of playing uh, the style I wanted. They played faster. They were clearly trying to I, – I watched all the game. I did not see the Warriors game, thank God, and uh, I didn't really see that much of the Jazz game either. I taped it, but I was out, and then I just didn't get around to watching it because they – because they lost. But I, I read up on what happened and all that stuff. But I, I watched the whole Blazers game. And to start, like, they got off to a nice start. They were competitive. They were playing quicker. They were they were shooting some threes. So, like, they did end up getting blown out, like, in the fourth quarter. So, obviously, just like the t- Sean mentioned, like, the talent camp, it took over. But, like, they're, like we've seen the signs. Sometimes with the Pacers game, they did it as well. Like, we've seen them be competitive with some pretty good teams while playing the, the style that we want them to play. But then, like... Yeah, but then, in, like you mentioned, the Jazz game, like, and Boy- you mentioned also mentioned that like Boylan always hammers like the points in the paint talk. But it's like the points, like, yeah, it's great, like attacking the rim, like that's great. But they don't get to the foul line ever, and they don't shoot threes. So like when the Jazz shoot forty five threes, and like you keep going under screens, and Corver's Kyle Corver's hitting a bunch of threes, Donovan Mitchell is hitting threes, Joe Ingles hit a three right in Lowry's face and was like waving goodbye, like. Just like that, you're just, when you're getting just outscored by that much from behind the three point line, it's just hard to make up because it's just the basic math. And like we've hammered this home how like Zach Levine is a good three point shooter. His numbers aren't that great this year, but like he's he can make tough threes. Like 
we don't always need Levine. And that was one of the things in the Blazers game that I really noticed. Like he made like a, he started really hot and he was like six of ten from the field. And then in the second half, he was just like he was getting frustrated, not getting calls on drives, but he just kept driving the basket, like trying to get draw foul calls, like throwing up ugly garbage. Instead of doing that, like work yourself into some open three pointers or and do that a bit more. Take take more threes. They gotta get Lowry more clean looks from three. Like some of this is on the players. It's not all on Boylan, but like it clearly is the philosophy where he wants them taking more shots in the paint than shooting threes. And they just need to do a better job of just like, again, they don't need to be playing super fast, but they need to push when they need to, create more open threes, and the players need to they need to take take more things. It's just as simple as that. Because like, I mean, when you, and like I said, I didn't watch the Warriors game, but like they were down like 10 points within the first, whatever, like 90 seconds because Clay Thompson buried three three-pointers. And I was like, they, they were playing like a different sport than the Warriors. Obviously, it is the Warriors. Like that's the gold standard of the league right now. But like, it's just amazing when you watch the Warriors play compared to the Bulls. It's just, it's a clown show. There's just, it just shows you just how far the Bulls have to go to be a consistent, just a team that can consistently contend against the best teams in the league. Forget the talent for a second. This philosophy is just completely insane. Like what the hell are the Bulls thinking playing this brand of basketball? You could legitimately pick any nerd off basketball Twitter and he would be running a more modern philosophy than what Jim Boylan does, uh, say for our our man, Mr. Scout dude, who's been attacking everyone on Bulls Twitter. I guess we don't really need to get into that. (laughs) Fuck that guy. Uh, and yeah, like just the way they're playing basketball right now, dude, is just completely ridiculous. Uh, I don't know why the fans would have any faith in John Paxson and Gar Foreman to hire the correct coach. Uh, in terms of the draft, is I'm evaluating this draft class, Zion is on a tier all by himself. Right. Zion is tier one. I would say the gap between him and the second best player in this draft is so wide that there's no one in tier two. There's no one in tier three, maybe tier four. Then you can start talking about John Morant, RJ Barrett, guys who have some combination of a high floor and a high ceiling. But to me, dudes who just have like holes in their game, who are not going to move the needle for this franchise immediately in any significant way. uh, You know, there is something to the idea of just, you know, if you keep hitting enough doubles in the draft, you could build a pretty solid little team. I mean, the Bulls did that once upon a time with Kirk Heinrich, Ben Gordon, Lou Aldang. Uh, That was a team that was pretty fun to watch. You threw Nocioni in there who they acquired through the draft. It's always fun when you get a homegrown team. Yeah, for sure. But the problem is if they don't get Zion, dude, like what the hell is their long-term plan? Because they're just going to be so deeply screwed they they really are gonna be right i mean i i guess like they'll have cap space to throw at somebody they're not gonna get a superstar this summer uh they make a play for anthony davis at some point uh i well, isn't gonna resign here yeah. even if they trade for him I, yeah i know like i mean like i said well i mean besides signing maybe they try to sign him whatever what is that 2020 2021 whatever the hell it is like i feel like trying to get in position to have a chance at him probably is one of the plans here uh, probably not a great plan because it probably won't happen. But uh, I mean, I guess you, you have to keep that option open. You have to keep that open. Like you want to swing big. Like we complain about not swinging big enough. Like they have to at least keep that open. And like I said, they ha- they have the flexibility with, with uh, the cap space. But like, I, again, like I don't know who they're going to spend it on. Like, well, obviously we can talk about that more down the road as we get closer to summer. But like, I mean, they really need some of these young guys to really start playing a little bit, a little bit better. Like obviously Lowry's in a funk. 
Levine's just kind of Levine's numbers look great, but like his defense has just been so Levine bad. So the bad. defense has taken a huge step back. The, just, the team defense, like they got off one of the, the selling points of Boylan when he first started was well, like the offense sucks, but like the defense has been like they've they've gotten grittier. They've played better defense. The defense has been awful. Uh, the last couple weeks now since like basically that Raptors game, this whole road trip, they've been getting torched. And I think their defensive rating under Boylan might be worse than it now was under Hoiberg. And like, obviously again, this is with all the, basically they're mostly healthy. Their core is basically there. Uh, and now the defense is also bad. Like the offense has been bad. The defense has now been bad. Like it's all been bad. And obviously lately, like this road trip is really tough competition. It's going to happen. But like, we also saw them get blown out at home by the magic. We saw them get blown out at home by the nets. Like you just like, at some point, like again, like I don't want to put it totally on Boylan. As much as Boylan might suck, like at some point these players are going to have to show that they're actually worth being around for a long time. And while I, we do have some optimism about some of these guys, I, I like Lowry. Like Wendell looks, it looks like a solid player. Like Levine is a talented offensive player. At some point, they're going to have to come together and 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 play together as well as a team, or they're going to have to start making big changes. Like I feel like all right, but like, here's the thing. So, sorry to interrupt you, but oh, no, go ahead. I have go a question ahead. for you. Yeah. So, Hyken says that he doesn't think that Boylan is doing long-term damage to the Bulls' young core. Fair. Totally fair. But how about yeah, the I don't think so. Can you evaluate the young core while they're playing this type of basketball? Because literally fucking no one plays this way, dude. Like, <laughs> this is some 1950s-ass basketball. So, how do you know how good Larry Markinen is? Oh, I don't. I don't know. How do you know how good... Uh, Zach Levine can be when he's playing in a system with no structure that's trying to limit him from shooting threes. You got the coach fucking applauding every game when he's not taking three pointers. I mean, give me a break, dude. This thing is so broken right now that you can't even evaluate the young guys. Yeah, I mean, I think in terms of like, you can evaluate, I think, the defense a little bit, I guess. And like Levine's defense is still bad. So like that, that I feel like that's just going to be a problem there. Like in terms of offense, the the concerns are definitely there. Like I'm not making, I don't want to make any judgments on these guys. I just want to, it's partially on them at least a little bit, but like, I don't, I definitely don't want to make any judgments. I, I have been very skeptical about Chris Dunn for a while. I'm skeptical about Levine's overall package. I think Wendell's going to be a really nice, solid player. Like, I don't know. I don't know. think he'll be like a star player, but I think he's going to be at, at worst, a really solid two-way NBA player. And then like, I feel like a lot might swing on how Lowry, like if Lowry develops into like a legitimate poor man's Dirk, like great. But if he's just like kind of like another guy, like he's kind of been lately, then that's like a problem. And like, and that's going to be what these next, like the next, hopefully the rest of this year, hopefully Boylan lets them loose a little bit more. Hopefully we get, they can build on something going into next year because next year is going to be huge. Next year uh, will be Lowry's third year. You'll have Wendell's second year, and then Chris Dunn will be in year four. Uh, if they don't believe in Chris Dunn, which I don't, I feel like there's been some rumblings out there that they don't really believe in them that much. Like he could, he could be on his way out next season if he doesn't take a legitimate step forward. I mean, like if the Bulls don't take a step forward next season, I feel like Levine could be on the trade block, depending on what's going. On. Like, so they they need to build something for the rest of this year. And I do agree that with Boylan in place, that could be difficult. Hopefully. He realizes the error of his ways. Maybe the front office will step in. But again, the front office seems to like what he's doing. Like you mentioned that like Boylan seems like an extension of Paxson. So like, I don't know if anything's going to change. So like they just, it had, like obviously we want them to lose. We want them to get this top pick, but we need to see something better. We can't, we can't see them getting embarrassed every night. And even like the jazz game, while, while it was close, like they only lost by eight, they were close going in the fourth quarter. 
their starters, like the starters got smooth. The starters weren't any good. They got smooth. Like Donovan Mitchell was like a plus 20. Gobert was like a plus 19. So like when the Jazz's best players were out there, the Bulls got smoked. It was like Rolo was a plus eight and like Jabari had like a, had a nice stretch that got him back in the game. So like we need to see this, this young court, so this starting group play a little bit better uh, after this road trip because I don't expect much more of this road trip, maybe against the Lakers, which could be a little better. The Nuggets will probably get their SP. But like after this road trip, they have a few easier games. We need to see them start to build a little more chemistry because otherwise, like, there's just not going to be that much optimism heading into the offseason, especially with this coaching situation up in the air. And just like, I mean, I, I totally agree with you that Boylan should not absolutely should not be the coach next year. I'm fine with it for this year, whatever. It's it it happens. It's how it usually works. But hopefully, hopefully we can we can get a little more optimism back. After listen, last weekend we were so optimistic, or last last time we were so optimistic, and like now we're it's like going back into the train. So hopefully we can get a little more optimism back, even if they are still losing. Because again. At this point, like the goal is is getting Zion. Jason, what's this season about? It's about development, right? You can't yes. develop when you're playing basketball like it's 1952. I mean, the entire thing is a sham. It's completely ridiculous that they're playing this way. And I know a lot of people have tuned out the Bulls. Uh, me and you are are liable to do it too. I mean, I was snowboarding all weekend. I had to catch up on the games, catch up on the news. Uh, you know, you you were talking about how you were out on Saturday night during the game, yeah. I was, so, uh, yeah, I had I had plans. I'm Friday like Friday night. I was I was home, but then like and I was gonna watch some. I had taped the Warriors game. Like I was gonna watch some of it, but and they were down by 25 after the first quarter. So like I'm not watching this. Like what? I I was like I got a few texts. So before I could even put it on, like they were getting they were down by 30 damn points. Like I'm not gonna watch this crap. Like if, if they make it close, I'll make I'll, I'll watch it later. And then like I said, I was. I was out during the Jazz game. I had plans with friends. So, like, I'm definitely not going out of my way to watch Bulls basketball because, like, while I am interested in how these young guys develop, like, when they're just not competing half the time, like, it just – it's hard for us to, to watch. Like, we're going to we're gonna stick – we're going to try to stick with it as well as we as well as well we can over the second half of the season. But, like, they need, they need to make it a little easier for us and give us something interesting to talk about and not just bitching about them because we've said this before. Like, we don't want to – be com- constantly complaining about them to make and make 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 us sound like just complete whiners and pessimists. But like when you're ten and thirty three and you're losing games by thirty half the time and you're getting blown out every other night, like that's what's gonna happen. We're gonna com- we're gonna complain. So like I don't um, know, man. This whole season is such a lie. It's like it's about development, but you can't develop when you're playing basketball this way. It's all completely insane. Uh, everything that we've been writing and saying about the Bulls for the last few years, you know, covering this team to negative few. I almost wondered at times if I've been negative enough, just how deeply broken this is. So Jim Boylan, I mean, in my opinion, he does not deserve on merit to coach another NBA game. There's, there's no way. I mean, he's garbage. The system that they're running is completely insane. Uh, when you have Doug Collins of all fucking people telling you to push the pace, which is what happened recently, John Paxson and Doug Collins were consoling in Boylan uh, that he needs to start playing faster. I mean, dude, this is just so, so broken. If they get Zion, it was worth it. I think there's a chance that they could hire, uh, you know, a good head coach. I think that that's possible because they did once hire Tom Thibodeau. Uh, Paxson and Foreman have been pretty decent in the draft. We think that their last two major picks, Carter and Markkinen, should be building blocks for this team moving forward, but... It's impossible to evaluate those guys during a year of development while they're playing this backwards-ass game. 
Uh, and, dude, if they don't get Zion, I mean, Jesus, I don't really see any path to contention for them. I mean, the Bulls will sell some some false hope in free agency. I, I lived through the Kevin Garnett rumors. I lived through, uh, you know, the Amari Stoudemire rumors, the Kobe rumors. The Bulls are not getting Anthony Davis. I'm just going to say that right now. And if they do get him, if they do trade for him, he's going to leave because this franchise is just so broken from the top down. Uh, it's not going to happen. So if you're one of those C-Red people who think that, you know, this thing's going to be miraculously saved, the more evidence we get on Boylan is the more evidence we get on the front office uh, that they just don't know how to how to acquire talent, how to coach, and how to sort of manifest a team that can win in today's NBA. And with that, I'm done. So you can close this out if you want. And I said, that, is that like a mic drop, mic drop moment there? Just like, man, that, that is bleak. That is a bleak picture. But I mean, right now, like, it's tough to be optimistic. We will, we will absolutely, we'll, we'll have to see. We're gonna have, obviously, we're gonna have to be patient. We're gonna hope, hope for, hope for Zion Williamson. If they don't get Zion Williamson, we're gonna have to just hope and pray that whoever they do get is better than we expect. But uh, yeah, so again, I'm going to say real quick, uh, starting next week, I'm going to start doing a draft prospect of the week where right. I'll, uh, I'll okay. shine a light on one prospect uh, every week. Right. I'm, I'm not totally prepared to do that right now, at least in terms of the amount of detail I want to go into. But we'll start it next week. And, uh, you know, that's that's what the rest of this season is going to be about, unfortunately, because as long as the Bulls are continue playing this ridiculous boiling ball, uh, there's not going to be much for us to talk about with the team because we can't even see if the young core is developing. Yep, that's basically it. So yeah, we got Bulls Lakers uh, tomorrow, uh, and then one more game with Nuggets finish the trip, and then they'll finally come home for a bit. So we'll, we'll like I said, we'll see how things goes. Uh, I think that that's the thing. That's it for me. It sounds like that it's for you. This was uh, this was fun. It was fi- fun to finally have a guest. Thanks again to Sean Hyken for coming on. Uh, then you can follow Sean at at Hiken, H at H I G H K I N. It was great to have him on. You could he does work at a bunch of places, uh, mainly Bleacher Report. Uh, and for that, this has been Cash Considerations Podcast. I'm just Jason. Ricky, take it easy. I'm gone, Jason. I'm out. I walked away. I'm so mad. <laughs> we'll catch you later. Bye. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.